Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Women's World Football Show, episode 108. Happy to see you guys. Happy to see you, Adam, Barry, Barry, Barry T. Beaver in the studio today. Yes, Barry's here. Hello, everybody. Yes, I'm here too. Well, I think I am. And so it's been a fun couple of weeks, haven't it, since the last show? It has. It's been a fun, uh, interesting, and I'm excited about today's show because we have, obviously, great guests on again. The Fran Bundesliga is well underway. The Westfield W League just started. We have some NWSL news to tell you guys about. Plenty of international friendlies to chat about. FAWSL. So exciting, Adam. Ah, exciting. It's, it's kind of, we've got the real firm on today, haven't we? Because there's obviously us two, and then we've got our two senior experts in Yana and Cheryl. So we really have got the entire squad out, haven't we, really? <laughs> and you got your Canadian beanie on and Barry, so you're ready for that rivalry match for USA versus Canada coming up? Absolutely, and I think I'm going to have to chat with our friend Sandra about this because we can't have you and your biased American diatribe on it. So I think Sandra would much rather talk to myself than you, but that's probably normal, isn't it, really, for everybody else, I think? Untrue, untrue. I'm very unbiased. We'll, we'll, we'll learn more about that later on in the show. Yes, we Talk to Cheryl. Will, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, first, you have a great, we have a great guest, Adam. I'm so excited about our next guest. Yes, now everyone remembers and knows the name Laura Alloway for the past couple of years. She's been playing in Orlando with the Orlando Pride in the NWSL. Now, this last year has been a tough year for Laura, probably one of the toughest of her career, because people will know that she's been a big starter for the Matildas. She's been a big part in the W League, obviously starting with Melbourne Victory years ago. Then she played for Brisbane, had successful times there, won two championships with uh, Melbourne City, and has recently crossed back to her former club, the Melbourne Victory, who have been making some other good signings as well, by the way, people such as Angie Beard, Natasha Dowie, just to name two. So I was very, um, very happy to sit down with Laura. We did have her on the show a few years ago, I think, when she was at Brisbane, and it was interesting then, and we talked about a little bit about her career up to date, so I thought it would be great to have a catch-up with a player, a player who's always making headlines and a player that I think a lot of the world can learn from. So let's play Laura Alloway. Well then, the W League is just around the corner and on the show this week I'm absolutely delighted to welcome new um, Melbourne Victory and Australian International Laura Alloway back to the show. So welcome back, Laura. Thank you. How's it going then? Um, You've just settled into a new club. Is it still a bit exciting now? Yeah, I mean, it's a new slash old club for me. Obviously, I played here um, in the first two seasons of the W League many moons ago. Um, So it's good to kind of be back and be welcomed in just as warmly as what I did the very first time. Um, And, I mean, I love Melbourne, so can't really go wrong there. No, no. And um, was it a tough move? Because obviously you've had great success over the other side of the city winning two championships over the last couple of years. Was it a tough move to go home to the victory? Yeah, yes and no, mixed emotions. Uh, I think that City was great for me. They um, 
obviously, like you said, we won two championships. Like, it was a very successful team. The club is, is amazing. But, yeah, I think given the recruitment that they made and such, I thought that it was in my best interest to possibly move um, to victory. And I suppose... Oh, what I was excited about was um, maybe taking on more of a, a leadership role at Victory um, and, and being one of like the senior players, I suppose you could say, and um, getting respect from that in that perspective. Obviously, um, at City, there's so many players there, so many quality players and very experienced players that not necessarily get overlooked, but I felt like perhaps my, um, my duties elsewhere might be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and victory are um, catching up though aren't they now i mean they've obviously signed yourself which is a big deal and angie beard's gone there natasha dowie's coming back so you've got a good team of stars yourself haven't you yeah look um jeff's done an incredible job we've got another like some more exciting signings on their way uh, he's done well obviously you can only have four international spots so i think the people that he's selecting for those positions is um under much scrutiny and he's taking his time to really take a look at a lot of different players and making sure we're filling the positions that we need to around you know the local girls and the Australian girls but yeah Angie Beard is a massive one for us I think she um, possibly didn't have a greater season last year but I mean I've known her since she was probably 13 14 in the <laughs> wow. academy side up in Queensland and, I mean, way back then I even thought she had something special about her and I think that uh, given the right people around her, she can really excel and uh, come out of her own and probably be, you know, pushing for Matilda's spots even. Yeah, and speaking of the Matildas, you guys are on an incredible run of form, haven't you? This has probably been one of the best, best ever years for you guys, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Kind of a shame that our best ever year is in, in one that doesn't actually have any major tournaments. <laughs> But look, it's a it's a good start, and I think if we can keep the ball ball rolling and we can um, keep progressing on what we've built so far, it's a it's a great footing to start the next three years in the World Cup campaign, etc. Yeah, and and um, how's the the collective bargaining agreements obviously been signed with the W League? That's a big deal, isn't it, for the league? It gives you guys a bit more stability, doesn't it? Oh, it's massive. You know, people last year. Um, you know, maybe getting paid, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, you know, but whereas this year having that minimum standard really, I suppose it, it attracts a lot of, I suppose, maybe younger players who are looking for a pathway and it's actually turning more professional, which means that the, you know, the grassroots and it, maybe the parents are even going, oh, look, maybe it's not such a bad thing that my daughter wants to play football because in the later years she'll be rewarded for it if she can work hard you know like there's actually yeah. a pathway there now and it's remunerated and it's only going to get better from here yeah it's fantastic um, to see the progress it's, it's, yeah it's been a massive jump up and hopefully sustain that and it can keep on progressing yeah and um how did you find playing in the nwsl and they had a great deal of success with orlando was um was that a good time yeah me personally i didn't have um, the greatest success this year with them but last year i enjoyed myself a little more saw a bit more of the field i found myself on the bench a little bit this year and was a bit frustrated uh, being on the sidelines, you know, trying to both take on a new role of perhaps like a squad player and it was really different for me and I didn't quite understand the reasoning and uh, I suppose came to an agreement in the end with the coach uh, to let me go so I could pursue other options. Uh, so hopefully next year, you know, looking to different countries and different 
leagues and yeah see I think the last few years make the most of my career and see where it can take me yeah you've still got a lot of time left you're only you're, you're still young <laughs> Um, yes, well, I know, young for some and old in others. <laughs> you had a few months out when you left Orlando. Um, how important was that time? I assume you just chilled out and relaxed, and was that an important time for you? I mean, you would think that's what I did, but huh. that would be a lie if you thought that. <laughs> I, um, I actually, because we had Tournament of Nations, so I, I got waived uh, from Orlando roughly, it was probably three weeks before Tournament of Nations started, so... I stayed in Orlando and I worked harder than what I had been doing because I was ne then no longer required to be uh, ready for coming off the bench per se. So I was um, doing extra running and, and working myself even harder knowing I had tournament nations coming up around the corner. Then obviously we I partake in that and uh, we did all right, I suppose. <laughs> um, coming away with the win with that was awesome. And then I got back. I probably had a four days maybe to sort of gather my things from Orlando and, and return back to Australia but I basically hit the ground running with um, training with boys for four weeks because then again we had Brazil games coming up um, only four weeks later so I was training with boys and flying myself in and out of Sydney to play and play games with the local Matildas and young Matildas and local Sydney based players that were there so I didn't have a break <laughs> I don't think I don't think I know the meaning of a break or any Matilda knows the meaning of a break I don't think so mm -hmm. and then obviously coming straight into pre-season so I yeah no I haven't I haven't had time off no I suppose in a way that's good because it keeps you focused doesn't it you don't um have to you, you pick yourself up and you're straight into it because I know you're a very positive person yeah I mean it, it uh, has its pros and cons obviously then your body kind of starts to break a little you do need that time to recover but I mean, I haven't had to undergo the stress of games very much this year, so I've been training full-time, but haven't um, overdone myself with lots and lots of games, so I guess my body is fairly recovered, but then, you know, mentally as well, you want to come into a new season fresh, and you want to have had that time, you know, I had a few days with my family, and that was, that was awesome, and I had a few days surfing and stuff, so I could refresh and then, yeah, you know, get your mind in the right state. Yeah. prepare for another season. So. Yeah. I was just going to ask you if you saw, I know surfing's a big part of your life, if you still managed to keep that going. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so I was living in Orlando, which was about 45 minutes from the beach, so I was um, surfing most days and, you know, I'd train in the morning and then in the afternoons I would get a wave in and do it all again the next day and um, obviously down in Melbourne, I live down in Torquay, so it's about an hour and a half from training, but it's, um, I live on the beach and I get to get my surfs in and my walk with my dog and then I you know you gotta you gotta have a good mental state to play well so I think I've figured out in my all my years that that's probably one of the keys for me to refresh my mind and body is to get into the water and cleanse the soul <laughs> yeah great stuff great stuff and um how that you just briefly mentioned the tournament of nations how phenomenal was that because it was a huge achievement to go into the into the united states beat them and win the thing that that must rank pretty high up in your career achievements i'm assuming with the national team yeah it was uh it was quite surreal um you you never go into a game against the u.s whether on home soil or or on their home soil thinking that you're going to win really um you've got to go in with the right mentality but you know that you're always in for a fight so to win against them for the first time in 26 years was 
obviously very surreal. And I was I was on the bench that day, so I was kind of got to have a chance to you know sit back and take it all in. And it was such an amazing achievement for the girls. And then to go on and just keep that winning form going and to be up against Japan, I think we were up 4-1 at one point, which was like unheard of. And then to go in against Brazil and smash them 6-1, it was like, it was mind-blowing to be honest. Um, but yeah, the girls, are, we're trying not to get ahead of ourselves. Obviously, we've, that's that's the st- a starting point for us. Um, we don't have a lot um, of improving to go and we've got a lot more years to sort of stay at that peak form and then we'll start, you know, the results will start to come. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're already flying up the rankings. It's going to be incredible to watch you guys coming into into the next World Cup, which is, you know, around the corner, really, isn't it? 2019, you must have that um, etched in your diary. Yeah, definitely in our sights, but lots of time in between then and now. We can't mm. get too ahead of ourselves, like I said. And we've got loads of, given that we've been more successful, there's... Um, been, I suppose, more support from our nation and from our um, like state governments and stuff. So I think you'll see a few more friendly games on our Matilda's calendar, which will be so good for us. You know, that was always a struggle because we're so far away from everyone that getting games organised was always such a battle. Um, but now that obviously we're being a little more successful, people are more willing to put money towards it which means we can have more competition we can have more games which is only going to strengthen our team and give everyone more experience yeah and lastly on the international front um, I know when you're over here in England at Lincoln you room with Katie Rood and she just made a debut for New <laughs> yeah she just made her debut for New Zealand um, a few weeks ago so per, per, you, know, know. you could be coming <laughs> up against her yeah yeah I've sent her a message I was so stoked for her um, I could. I saw her in the squad list, and I was like, "Wait, hey, Rudy, she's she's doing things. She's been trying so hard for so long, and sort of been stuck in a rut um, in New Zealand. And it's so awesome to see that she's finally cracked into the national team and got herself a debut. And oh, I'm just so stoked for her. And she's now playing in Italy, I think. Yeah, for Juventus. How would yeah. you feel playing against her? Would you give her a kick in the first couple of minutes, just for old times' sake? Or? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I don't think I could do it to her. <laughs> But you mentioned obviously she's in Juventus, uh, Juventus, and there's like lots of Aussies um, in Europe. Is is Europe something back on your radar? Do you think for the future? Yeah, definitely. I've uh, had some words with my agent and um, asked him to sort of look in that general direction for next year. Uh, it's so hard with the W League and, and clashing with other leagues, uh, but. Hopefully, with a few more years under my belt now and a few more international caps, there might be some teams out there that want a centre back. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, couldn't tell you exactly where. I've got to have a really good W League first. That's what my main focus. Um, play well for victory and and do all I can for this team and really get back on the get back in a good state. I suppose this year has been a tough one for me, not playing much in Orlando and not really playing much for the national team. Um, so I need to get back in form and um, prove to people that I'm, st- I'm still young enough to be out there. <laughs> well, I'm sure you will. I know you've come back from things in your career before and I know you're going to prove everybody wrong and do it again. I'm sure you are. Hopefully, that's the plan. Yeah. And, and last time you were on the show a few years ago, you said uh, you were training to be a teacher. Is that still something in your mind after football or have you changed that? Yeah, definitely. I uh, had to do an early exit, long story short. After many years of having to defer and do one subject here and there, the university basically told me that I should need to um, finish with a 
Bachelor of General Studies and get that piece of paper, which is a three-year degree, and then I can come back when I have time to go into the schools and do pracs and all that sort of thing, do some placement, and then I can get my finish off, I think maybe like another year or something, when I have time at home for long enough to get it done. Yeah. Well, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Laura. I'm really I'm looking forward to following your progress in the W League, and um, I'm really sure you and the Victory are going to have a great season, so I'd just like to wish you good luck from everybody on the show. Thank you. So good to see, oh, I was say so good to see you again. So good to hear from you again. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure, Laura. We'll chat again soon. Well, thanks a lot, Laura, for that. It was an absolute pleasure to sit down and chat with her, and I th- Lots of things hit me with that interview, but I think the first one is just how honest she was about how hard a year it's been. A lot of players, when they find themselves on the fringes of the team or on the bench or not even in the squad, kind of don't talk about it, don't open up and kind of wash over it. But Laura's honesty there was um, something you don't hear very often. Yeah, when you actually when you said you were getting Laura Alloway, that was the first thing I thought of. I was ah, I hope that she talks about Orlando. And that, that she was so open and forthright about it is very admirable. And, and Laura's one of these players that you just like, you know. I mean, she's just so likable. And I, when she left Orlando, there was a, like a collective sigh because we all knew she was sitting on the bench a lot. You know, it's hard to get into some of these teams that are just stacked with players, and especially a team like Orlando, um, for Laura to kind of step away and say, hey, you know, I'll do something good for myself and, and have that kind of step away. I like the, when she said that she really didn't take the break that she wanted. And that always seems to happen with the good players. You know, you think you're going to step away and take a break, and you don't. But, you know, another interesting thing that she said, Adam, that she said was maybe has her sights on Europe. Do you have any idea or hint where she might go next after W League? I don't know. I would imagine that the two leading contenders, because you'll still have two or three months left of the FAWSL and the Fran Bundesliga. So I would think one of those two leagues, maybe even France, those leagues have got the time in them. Obviously, the Swedish Damelstadt League finishes or has finished actually in the next couple of weeks so you would think it would be one of those those three destinations but uh, it's always fascinating isn't it how players take on a different role like you know she's got more of a leadership role kind of thing that she's always done and then being out of the squad and then leading this victory team it's it's always great when players come to it. it's going to be fascinating to watch her play I think yeah I'm looking forward to watching her at Melbourne victory victory is very interesting to me because you know, they've been there since the beginning. They have this loyal supporters base. And then here comes Melbourne City. You know, they come in and kind of steal the spotlight for a while with all their big money and their big names and things. So I think it's important that Victory start winning and, and grab that Melbourne spotlight again. And they did get a great win the other day. This is opening weekend. Of course, we'll be talking to Shell Downs in a minute about the W League. But uh, really interesting to be watching um, Melbourne Victory at this time, I think. It is. I kind of think Victory were for a long while, what the Boston Breakers were to the NWSL, a team with tremendous history, a team that's always in the league, but victory had a real, not maybe last year, but certainly the past few years, they've kind of been struggling near the foot of the table, haven't they? But I think looking at the players that they've brought in now, they're, they're really kind of going to go for, go for it. And as you said, in match day one, they won and City lost. So the W League, we all know, is a short season. So any, any wins and losses early doors are hard for... You're hard for you to claw back if you do lose two or three to start the season. You're on the back foot big time. Yeah, and then next round, next week, is uh, the Melbourne Cl- Derby, right? The victory plays City. So that's going to be a big, like you said, it's a short season. So whenever those two teams go head-to-head, that'll be it's be exciting to watch. But then also at the in the long term, it's, impo- it's going to be an important match. It certainly so is. It's fun to watch Laura Alloway back at it again. Yeah, I'm, 
and she's still doing her surfing as well, which is good about cl- cleansing the mind. And it's something which I've, I've been needing to do for obvious for reasons in the last six weeks and so, and I've kind of taken a little bit of inspiration from that. I find that, yeah, I find that with uh, surfers a lot because you're out in the ocean, you're out most of the time by yourself. It's like a medi- like an active meditation, much like long distance running and something like that. So so very thoughtful um, person. I think that comes from that, and that's lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good stuff. Thank so, you, Laura. I wait, wait to watch her more in the W League this season. So excited. Yes, and I, I just want to thank thank uh, Nick at the Melbourne Victory as well for helping set that interview up. It was set up very quickly and effectively. So thank you to all concerned at the Victory. You know, it's not very often that players like to have uh, two interviews with you, Adam. So I give Laura a lot of props. Yeah, no, it's... It's a rarity for myself as well. I was, I'm sure there is players I've had on twice, but but uh, I'll, I'll so get back anyway. So to go in from the W League, hey, NWSL, we'll be talking more about the W League, obviously, in a minute. But there's been some NWSL news since the season ended. By the way, did you see that Portland Thorns victory celebration? I've seen pictures and everything of it. I saw the greeting they had at the airport in Portland. And those kind of things always amaze me because you see them all around the world. And I'm wondering... Who can get time off just to dash down to the airport? There must be some very understanding uh, bosses and managers in Portland to let these people do these fantastic displays at airports and stuff. Yeah, and the, well, that's Portland for you. I mean, they they gave a big announcement ahead of time and, and everything. But the I watched it live on the live stream, and I swear there was there were probably more fans in the stands there than there were at the actual championship final. It's probably I mean, free to go and watch. That's yeah, why. Yeah, and it was packed. I know, but it was still late at night, and it was cold and. I give a lot of credit to the Portland Thorns organization. They just they just know how to do it right, and the fans out there just so much support. So great to see. But um, the NWSL announced recently that the 2018 NWSL College Draft will begin at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, January 18th, 2018, at Pennsylvania Convention Center during the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Philadelphia. So last year we saw it in L.A. This year it's in Philadelphia. Um, in a few years, I, I think that the coaches, the United Soccer Coaches Convention will be held in Anaheim, California going forward. I don't know about next year, but I think after 2019, it, they have it into, in Anaheim. But next year's in Philly and kind of, uh, do I want to go to Philly in January? What do you say, Adam? Philadelphia always intrigues me because it must be the only city in the world who has a fictional sporting character whose head and shoulders above its real sporting characters. What are you talking about? What do you mean? Rocky. Rocky's the most famous sports star ever out of Philadelphia, isn't he? Everyone, every, when you go to Philadelphia, everybody wants to run up the steps up to the Liberty Bell oh, and give Rocky. it all that in the Rocky post, don't they? <laughs> I mean, oh, it's no. weird because Philadelphia's obviously a huge city. I mean, it's not. It's like the second sporting city in, in the state of Pennsylvania, isn't it? But it, it, why, is, why is it with Philly? Because I know it's a big market. Is it just because it's a big city? Because it gets these events, but... It, not all its sports teams never really win anything. I know the Eagles are doing well this season, but well, thank well, you, Adam Barlow. I know the Philly, I know the Philadelphia Phillies won the 2008 World Series, but apart from that, I mean, I do like the Philly fanatic. He's pretty cool. Yeah, he's probably the second coolest guy in Philly after Rocky. I get enough heat for a lot of things. I don't really want the entire city of Philadelphia breathing down my neck, but okay. it should be in Pittsburgh anyway. But anyway, move on. Okay, that's your point. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Um, and the NWSL teams announced which players have had contract options exercised and which players had been extended new contract offers. I have to say, most of the teams kept their base. You know, they're holding on to these players are offering them new contracts. Because, of, I mean, what you have to remember is just because they've offered them a contract doesn't mean to say they'll start the season. I, I assume a lot of these could be trade bait. Sure. 
Uh, additionally, the league announced that eight players would be available on the re-entry wire as part of the end of the season process, and those players were Mackenzie Berryhill for Orlando, uh, Jocelyn Blankenship uh, for Orlando, Kelly Conaghy, Houston, Lean Sigbardson Jensen from The Spirit, Kendall Johnson, our friend from Portland Thorns, Natasha Kai, Sky Blue, Jordan O'Brien, again from Orlando, and Stephanie Oaks, North Carolina Courage. And none of these players were picked up off the wire. They had like a 24-hour window. They're now discovery eligible, according to the NWSL rules. So they can go off and be picked up by other teams in the NWSL or in other leagues around the world. So hopefully, I'm sure we won't see the last of Stephanie Oaks. Yes, she seems to be the one that's that's kind of had the most debate around. I mean, a lot of these players, no disrespect to them, aren't maybe the biggest names in the game, but I have seen one or two whispers and tweets and discussions in various mediums about Steph Oaks. But yeah. she's had a lot of injury worries, hasn't she, over the past few years and stuff, so that's probably yeah. a factor. So um, let's lead us back into the W League, shall we? Yes, let's go W League chatting. Okay. <laughs> Talking about some of your favourite people, Adam. Cheryl really liked you. I did ask her if it was okay if you became a, a Melbourne Victory fan because of Laura Alloway, and she said, absolutely, fine with me. Yeah, well, me and Cheryl are big friends. Obviously, she's flown over to England. Uh, we went for a drink earlier in the year, which was marvellously good fun. We uh, fed squirrels in the park, so, yeah, we've had a jolly good time. <laughs> and it was great to hear you two chat doubly because how, for people that only recently joined the show, how it works is that Patty and Cheryl talk about the... W League and Yara and I talk about the Bundesliga, so I don't get to talk to Cheryl that often because Patty's hosting her and I'm looking after Yara, so that's how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. Yeah, the W League is back. I got to watch a few games this weekend. Oz.com, OZ.com, is offering the W League viewing package. So I plucked down my five bucks a month, and I'm in. No replays offered just yet, only live stream. But you know what? I'm in. I like it. 14 rounds, nine teams of great football uh, so instead of me stumbling through it, <laughs> we called on, of course, our Aussie expert from the women's game, Cheryl Downs, to chat about the league, the players, the teams to watch, all those Americans playing over there. Of course, lots of Sam Kerr topics. So uh, here we go. Well, it's opening weekend for the Westfield W League, and look who I found. Back with us to chat about this exciting league is our favorite Aussie and correspondent from the women's game, the one and only, the world traveler. Please welcome Cheryl Downs. Hi, Cheryl. Wow, what an intro. That's fantastic. Oh, W League, it's back. Thank God. I'm happy. Yeah, you don't have to deal with a W League west right <laughs> which is the nwsl we're calling the uh, w we're calling the w league nwsl down under yeah I, I think that sounds it's getting really close and it's interesting with some of the changes to the schedules around the world that i think the fawsl has kind of changed their their league playing dates and whatnot and that that hurts a little bit but I, I think the way that the nwsl has their season finishing and then our season starts i think it really works well together so great for us i, I think there's some um there's almost some sisterly kind of relationships with the way that we've got some portland thorns players <laughs> we've got some seattle players we've got plenty of orlando players so bring them on yeah and they're excited about it too you know that there's so many there's so much um exciting things going on in australian women's football right now 
And like you said, you know, we've been experiencing it here, both, you know, with Tournament of Nations in the NWSL, you know, with the league starting. So uh, really, really great to, to be able to chat with you. And thank you for taking the time. Uh, you're welcome. No problem. Now, first of all, you know, we've been talking a lot about the W League CBA, the new collective bargaining agreement. But what does that mean for the fans? I mean, what is, what's the biggest difference the fans will see because of the, the league's CBA? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's basically about looking after the players in some respects. So hopefully the players will benefit and will be able to see that in their performances. It's To me, it's going to be pretty hard to tell because it is going to be quite new. And even though the players will be remunerated um, better, um, and they'll also have better medical treatment and facilities and those kind of things. Whether or not a fan would notice that, I'm not too sure, but hopefully it's more about the players benefiting. I think that's the key thing. Now, before we started recording, we were kind of talking about the new streaming at Oz.com, right? You can go, go on there for the international um, listeners and watch, or viewers, watch these games, which is pretty exciting. But how's the media um, attention been this season uh, in Australia? I mean, are you seeing the league advertised in the mainstream media? We see a lot on social media. Yeah, it's actually a really funny question because I'd kind of given up on mainstream media because they <laughs> they just wouldn't show any women's football. So to me, there, there was no such thing as mainstream women's football media. So I just completely gave up. But right now, right behind me, I have my television on and we have Foxtel here, which is sort of pay TV kind of thing or cable, whatever you want to call it. And it's playing some women's football. I think um, Sam Kerr has probably been in the paper a number of times, but I still stick to... You know, my trusted mates out there that have been putting out this Woso news for years and years, I'm not ready to jump ship and, you know, join the mainstream. There have been, And I will have a little bit of a dig. There has been some coverage in the mainstream media, which actually hasn't been great at all. There have been some news stories that have actually been incorrect or omitting uh. players and stuff. So, you know, they've still got a little way to go. I think it's great that they're trying but it's going to take a little bit of time to increase their knowledge about the game. It's it's not so simple to say, oh, we're going to start doing it now and we know everything. That's that's not what this is about. You have to invest in it. Like I've been seeing like a few things just online of interviews with the, the Matildas player, especially after Tournament of Nations. <laughs> I think there's, there's this player, um, Sam, Sam someone, <laughs> Sam Kerr, I think it is. She's all over the place. And I just think it's fantastic that, you know, they've found kind of, I think, yes, the people are paying more attention to the Matildas or the W League in general, but they've got this kind of pin-up player who can do these backflips on demand, <laughs> and, and that's the sort of thing that's probably garnering some of the attention. And it, there was, um, I think, on Twitter that posted a picture of a guy in a Socceroos top, which is the male Australian men's team, mm. um, and it, it had Lucas Neal, who was the, the captain, and it sort of changed his top from Lucas Neal to Sam Kerr. So that's kind of the story that we like to tell, that there's football fans out there and we're trying to convert them from, you know, or not convert them, but bring them over and enjoy both. It's mm-hmm. it's not just men's football is the only thing to watch. It's men's and women's. It's great either yeah. way. And, you know, it, it, a lot of times, like we were talking, uh, you know, Adam's become this uh, Melbourne Victory fan all of a sudden because he's a big Laura Alloway fan. And when, in women's soccer, it's kind of like that, isn't it? It's like you follow your favorite players. Like the players really drive the leagues and they really drive the national team. And people follow their favorite players. They may not be invested in a, a certain team, 
Um, or they become invested because one of their favorite players plays for them. So to have a Sam Kerr like that, it's it's only good for the league, really. Yeah, look, I think you're spot on. That's exactly the way it is. I think in other leagues, men's and women's around the world, you kind of have this allegiance to a team. And then if the players move, it's kind of like your allegiance to the team is bigger than your allegiance to the players. Mm -hmm. But I do find for me in the W League, it is very much about the players. And, you know, when Steph Catley went over to Melbourne City, for me, it kind of tugged at the heart a little bit because it was all about victory for me back in the olden days. And now there's a couple of my favourites playing for for City. And it's like, okay, so I support (laughs) Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City now. (laughs) But, you know, I'm a little bit, I think we talked about it earlier as well. I am a little bit wishy-washy with the W League. I'm I'm happy to watch all the games and I like players from all the teams and, and I like the different styles of the teams for different reasons. So... Yeah, I'm happy with all of that. I'm pretty easy to please. I'm a Perth fan through and through, but that that that's another story. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the W League now. What's the most intriguing new signing in the league this season? Because we've seen a lot of players leave, especially the American players leave, but we've also seen some new good signings come in. So what's yeah, the most so, intriguing one for you? I was, was going to throw this one back at you and say, you tell me, because there's there's quite a number of players who have come from the US and the NWSL. This year, we don't have Christine Nairn coming mm-hmm. to play with us for the first time in, in a few seasons. So I think that's, you know, something that Melbourne Victory fans will feel a little bit and probably the team will miss her presence in the centre as well. So I don't know if you've got a pick of the bunch from um, your neck of the woods. But I, I personally, I'm kind of interested in Laura Bassett coming over from the UK and playing with Canberra, and I love Canberra, so I think that'll be exciting. Yeah. Um, I have one for you. Um, Ashley Hatch going to Melbourne okay. City. Um, she's she's uh, number two overall uh, draft pick for 2017 for the NWSL. Played for the North Carolina Courage this year. I got and I got a chance to interview her, and she's like, she's. Uh, I'm telling you, for the W League, this kid you want to watch her because she's a really fun, dynamic forward. She's going to bring something to Melbourne City. And I was disappointed not to see Bevianez coming back, but then when I saw oh Ashley Hatch is coming, oh, we got to watch her in this league. Yeah, look, that's really good because I think one of the things with Melbourne City last year and, and the preview that the, the women's game have put out, I think it does talk about Melbourne City's dominance around the space completely, but they really did struggle in that final third to knock in the goals. They were um, dominant everywhere, but they still wouldn't get the ball in the back of the net. So I think Larissa Crummer had some injuries back then and mm. Lisa Devanna had a couple of games where she wasn't there or wasn't on, so to speak, and, and they didn't really get it. and. Yeah, so hopefully Hatch will help him out quite a lot. And, you know, a couple of the players not coming back, uh, Abby Dahlkemper and Sophia Horta, they're in the national, they're in the U.S. women's national team now, you know, so that's a real um, interesting thing, too, because we're seeing people like Emily Sonic come into the W League. Um, Is this going to help them get back, you know, help her get back into the U.S. women's national team fold? So there's a lot of dynamics going on with the W League and the USA and the U.S. women's national team. So that's kind of exciting, too. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think for those players to come here and and just kind of like it's not their, their real season. I get that. And some of them come out here and they do have a couple of quiet games because it's not maybe all about football all the time for them, but they're keeping their fitness up and, and just ta- tactically staying aware. So they're a little bit more smart and switched on. By the time that their season starts, they might get 
all of that's really, really good. Um, I like it when they switch on completely. So that's yeah. something I'd like to see. I, we have seen a little bit of the switch off, not from all the players, but from some of them. And, you know, that's a little bit hard to take. Which um, which team are, I'm hoping you're not going to be biased when I ask you this question, but which <laughs> team are you most excited to see this season and why? Uh, City, actually. <laughs> oh, really? um, Look, I love seeing Melbourne victory as well, so I am biased. <laughs> It's just can't not be biased, but yeah, Sydney have recruited kind of, I mean, they've got Steph Catley and Jess Fishlock there, that'll be really, really good, but they've got Alana Kennedy who's been making some big waves and they've got Kaya Simon as well, so they've got some really big sort of Matildas players there mm-hmm. and I think that would be really fun to see and for me, I get really excited when I can see the games live, so that'll be, that'll be exciting for me. Hey, do you know the update or the status on the coaching issue? I remember at the end of the last season, Jess Fishlock was actually the interim coach for Melbourne City. Yep. So we have um, Patrick Kisnovo, or Norbo, who is um, he's an ex-Australian international, and he's been doing his coaching tutelage under some of the local leagues, and he's been involved with City for a little while. So, and he was working with Fishlock last season as well. So he's he's the coach. And then we have Jess Fishlock, who will be the, the assistant coach. And I think she does seem to be a pretty dominant assistant coach as well. I think she's given a lot of latitude in, in what she does. And so maybe it's a dual coaching effort from the two of them rather than, you know, one being the full coach and the other one being the assistant. I think they'll work pretty closely together. Okay, awesome. Now for our USA listeners, you know, we know we know the Sam Kerrs, the Steph Catleys, the Lisa Devannas, but which off-the-radar Aussie player should we be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, it's a tricky question, actually, because how much do you guys know about Emily Van Egmond? Um, a lot. I mean, she didn't she, she played in um, Germany, right? Yep, yep. So, but she's not been prolific probably in the the U.S. So maybe if there's a couple of people out there who haven't heard of Emily Van Egmond enough, she's, you know, I think she's actually a really good player and and she's a little bit like Sam Kerr for me sometimes. A couple of years ago, this player, Sam Kerr, who now is just absolutely electric, Sam had a couple (laughs) of years where she was always exciting but she'd kind of sort of go off the boil a little bit and, you know, settle down a little bit and not be quite as dynamic. And I think Emily Van Egmond, for me, had been a little bit like that kind of player as well, but she's been working on her, her technique and her tactical awareness out in the European leagues, and I think that's really developed her as a player. So it'll be exciting for her coming back. She's been really good in the W League when she's been here as well. Mm-hmm. So I'll be excited to see her play, and, and she'll be out there for Newcastle. There are not a lot of big stars over there in Newcastle, so they probably will need her, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Newcastle will do all right. I, I think the community is getting behind the team, and we've seen it with the likes of Canberra, for example. You get the community behind the team, and it really just the players appreciate it, and the players feel like there's a lot of internationals, and if they go and travel across the world, sometimes they feel maybe a little bit homesick, but if you've got a great order aura around you, then you know maybe it settles them, makes them feel good, and they play good football. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that, because every Australian player I, I've talked to this season in the NWSL, they all say the same thing. They're so excited to come back home. I, I absolutely hope so, and I think it's going to be really important for the players to play really well out here now. We're coming up to an important year. So in April next year, we've got the Asian Cup, which is a World World Cup qualifier for us. So all the players that are out there in the W League, the Aussie players, they want to be seen to be playing well. 
and then Alan Stagic will be out there and he'll be watching the games and, and they want to put on a really, some really good form in front of them. I think someone like Hayley Razzo, she was probably trending towards the outskirts of the Matildas for a little while when she was playing with victory and she picked up some injuries and whatnot. She goes off to Portland, she just, you know, does amazing over there and she comes back and she's probably got all this confidence. So she'll really want to play well. She's playing for Brisbane Raw now. She'll want to make sure that she's showcasing that to Stad. So the, the Matildas have got, a, you know, a lot of people punching to try and get in there now. So it's great. It's great for Australian football. Yeah. Hayley Russell's my new favorite player. Oh, really? I yeah, love her. she's fast. I, yeah. <laughs> she's so fun to watch. Um, now, you mentioned Sam Kerr, of course. We, I didn't want this to be a full Sam Kerr segment, but I have to ask you because you were talking about. She, the downloads, though, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, yeah. You're always thinking, Cheryl. That's what I like about you. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> Okay, so Sam Kerr, like, she, like you said, like she's she turns it on in the past. She's turned it on. She's turned it off. Sometimes she shows up. I mean, she's always been exceptional to me for, in our club side. But then when it comes to the Matildas, it's like we're Sam Kerr. You know, she disappears. Except for this year, you know, she's turned it on for both club and country. Can she keep it up? What are your expectations for Sam Kerr at Perth? They're, they're huge. I think yeah. for me, one of the key things, and I did talk about this um, to the women's game people who are writing the preview for Melbourne City as well. One of the things year on year for these female players who, you know, working their way to become professional players and to play year round versus when female players used to play, you know, a league was a few months or something or other. Now they're having to back it up. Can that player sustain that for that longer duration of time? And do they know how to manage their bodies properly and their their um, mental side of their game properly as well? So I think that's going to be the thing for Sam Kerr to make sure that she can sustain that. But the changes I have seen in Sam Kerr over the last year or you know a couple of months, year, two years, it's they've been huge. She's really settled into that leadership role as well. She's far more responsible, reliable, prepared, because she just, to me, she seemed like this player who had a bunch of natural talent, but, and I'm just saying what I feel rather than what I absolutely know, and it didn't seem like she always applied it. It's like, oh, yeah, I can do backflips mm-hmm. if I want. That's easy, and, and the rest of us would be like, uh, no, actually, it's not, <laughs> and to, her, to me, it seemed like sometimes things came a bit too easily to Sam Kerr. But now I really feel that she's working for it. And that's why with the talent that she's got and with the work that she's been doing, I think it levels her up. And there's a tiny bit of analogy between Sam Kerr and someone like Lisa Devanna. So Lisa Devanna has been, you know, I like Lisa. She's fiery. Like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. things can go off on a little tangent. It's not always a good tangent. But Alan Stagic really stood behind her and said, I, I trust you. I believe that you're a, a great player for this team and I'm going to make you a captain of the team. And for Lisa Devanna, that really that reward, that belief in her ability was a huge thing. And I think for Sam Kerr, she's really levelled up in that leadership space as well. And I read something today and it was talking about Sam Kerr's time at the Western New York Flash and she talked about how when she used to play beside Abby Wombok and the influence that Abby had on her just about being a professional footballer. So I think Sam's been surrounded by some great players in, in her time in the NWSL, and I think that's helped level her up as well. So thanks very much for that. We'll take that, and she'll be a Matilda and, you know, Tournament of Nations, that kind of thing. 
Okay, so Melbourne City isn't the only game in town this season. Uh, they kind of weren't the only game in town last season, but who gives these defending champs the biggest challenge this year, you think? Yeah, I reckon that's the toughest question around at the moment because the W League is traditionally... We don't have any clue at the start of the season. We just don't know. The teams are really only... The final squads are still being announced and the season's kind of started. So it's, you know, you don't know what's happening one day to the next. Look um, in your crystal yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to go past the usual favourites, I suppose. And, and one of those would be Canberra. Canberra are really strong. So, look, I would have kind of said Sydney because they've got Lisa Devanna's playing for them. So, you know, I, I like Lisa and I think she just adds so much electricity as well. But And then you've got Perth and what can Sam Kerr do with Perth? They were so close last, last season, but, you know, is one player enough? And what is the rest of their team like? So Sam as an individual player can't bring a whole team along, but if the rest of the team are pretty good. Hey, and that just reminds me, you guys have a lot of, uh, young Matildas over in China right now, right? So there's a lot of a lot of players not playing on their squads right now because they're part of the Young Matildas, right? That's absolutely true, and it's really exciting. They've been doing really well. I think it's the first time that they've progressed to the semifinals for since 2006. Maybe I've made that up. Maybe not. Um, just trust me. Okay, <laughs> it's fine. Always. No one, no one, no one checked. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's really exciting. And I think the first match that comes up for Melbourne victory is against Canberra. And I know Canberra have gone on record of saying that they've got sort of four or five players that are in the young Matilda squad. So it's a big impact on them because those players could have potentially been starting players for them. So they've brought back, I think, um, Kendall Fletcher has come back to play for them just in a, you know, a guest role, I think. And then, um, But then Melbourne victory have got a couple of players out as well. I think mm-hmm. Annabelle Martin will be out playing for them. So... Yeah, it, it does impact us, even when we have the um, international matches which are coming up as well, and I don't know if you're going to talk too much about that, but we've got the Matildas are playing against China, they've got two matches in late November, so there will be a couple of players who might not be available for the W League matches, or they'll be available, but they might be rested a little bit just because they've had a couple of international matches in between. Yeah, well I did want to finish up and talk about the Matildas a little bit, Um so, you know, you can't talk about women's soccer right now without talking about the Australian women's national team. I think they're currently ranked number five on the FIFA rankings. That's the highest ever, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. So the roster is made up of players mostly in their early 20s, a few in their mid to late 20s. The only player on the team over 30, I think, is Lisa Devanna. How, yep. ex- how excited is the country right now at the prospect of this national team heading into 2019 Women's World Cup? Is it even in the conversation, as we like to say? <laughs> Depends who you talk to. I think some people still have no clue, but maybe once the World Cup sort of comes around and assuming that we qualify, which is, you know, no no easy thing, we still have to go to the Asian Cup in, in Jordan in April. So have to get through that first. But the Alan Stagic's been doing some really good things. You're quite right. The players are in their peak age and their peak age with really, really good experience. So there's great players out there and the way the, the formation, the, the way of playing, that's all pretty solid at the moment so it's it's about fine-tuning and improving rather than radical change which is maybe something that I think Jill Ellis is probably a little bit earlier in her stages of going through that with the U.S. women's national team but yeah for me, for me it's a, a great time and I think there should be some good noise the men's team I think and I think it's maybe some new rankings came out but the men were ranked 50 so the Socceroos <laughs> 
Um, so when you look at the, the equation, the women have a chance to win the World Cup, ranked number five, some pretty good form, really exciting, marketable players. The men ranked 50 in the world. It's pretty hard for them. They're a long way away, and maybe it's the same for the US as well. I don't know where your men are ranked, but there were some funny things going on when they didn't make it versus for the women. They've been out there and they've won it a bunch of times. So hopefully the people who traditionally support the men might get behind the women, particularly if we get someone like Sam Kerr out in the media, but also getting more players out there in the media as well. So it pains me to ask this next question. We were talking about the men. Um, Lisa Devanna recently surpassed Kate Gill as the Matildas all-time leading goal scorer with 43 goals. So she's creeping up on the Socceroos all-time leading goal scorer, Tim Cahill, who has 50 goals. What's going to happen when Devanna passes Cahill? Is the media paying attention to this? Yeah, I think they will. Yeah. Like it, it's been talked about in the, the last couple of games, they were talking about it and she was creeping up. So it's definitely making some noise. Seven goals could take a, a long time to come around because Lisa's not always out there for the Matildas. I don't, her legs don't really run the full 90 anymore. Um, but then again, neither does Tim and Tim's still an active player. Um, but yeah, we kind of have to have to wait and see. I think it'll be fantastic for Lisa to kind of get there and just get some some more recognition for the Matildas, not over the Socceroos, but just so, you know, people can really see that women are out there playing as well. And if there's anything that brings more spotlight on women's football, then I think it's a great thing. Well, that it's also exciting. Are we going to see an Australian upset in the Women's World Cup? What do you say, Cheryl? <laughs> yes, always, yes. of course. Um <laughs> Look, it's really tough because I am optimistic about how well the Matildas can play. They don't always play that well, and we have to be mindful that if it's a friendly match, it's not the end of the world, and it is the right time to do different things and the right time to experiment. And so, you know, you never know what's going to happen with that. But having watched the Euros somewhat recently as well, that seemed to be some really quality football. Like the final of the Euros, I think, for me, it was such a great game to watch. So it's interesting. Interesting. We, we kind of, in our own little world, like a tiny little Australian world, we think, oh, we're amazing. But if you sort of peek in a left eye open, you can see that there are plenty of good countries out there playing some amazing football as well. And Canada, for example. I mean, they're tricky little buggers, aren't they? They're doing so well. And it must annoy the Americans to have your northern neighbours doing so well. But, yeah, there's plenty of great stuff. Meh, who pays attention to Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe you should, Patty. I'm just saying. But I'm just telling you, Australia is a fun team to root for, and they're hard not to root for. So you know, you That's good. just know that you got you've got a lot of fans here, over here in the U.S. That's good, and I think you know, so many of our players go out and play in the NWSL, and they seem to really enjoy their time over there, and they get involved and. You know, Aussies are a pretty friendly bunch in general, so I think it's nice for them to be out there and engaging with the fans. So if that, that makes those fans become fans of the Matildas, probably for all matches apart from when they're playing against the U.S., then that's a good thing. Yeah, well, it's natural. that We, we feel like we own, own these some of these players, you know, and we forget that, oh, yeah, you know, Haley Rasso plays and is an all is a Matilda, you know. Sam yep. Kerr is a Matilda. I mean, we feel like we own like some of these players. Like we're rooting for them on on a weekly basis. So, um, but not the Canadians, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey Cheryl, I hope that you come back um, in mid season, mid W League season sometime, and update us a lot on the 
the teams, how they're doing, the the highlights, the players. Absolutely. So Try and stop me. Okay. <laughs> well, I have to catch you first. You're such a globetrotter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have um I have been I have been away a couple of times. I'm not going away again until I am planning on getting to the Asian Cup, which is in April. But oh, okay. apart from that, yeah, maybe a little work trip or something or other. Okay. But otherwise, I'll be um, dedicated to football. Well, thanks again, Cheryl, for coming on. Remember to follow Cheryl on Twitter. We'll have all her information on our show notes where you can reach her on Twitter and also follow her on thewomensgame.com. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Patty. It's been great talking to you. Say hi to all the gang out there and, and thanks for listening. Will do. Always great to talk with you, Cheryl. Thanks. Cool. Ciao. Okay. Bye-bye. So I love talking to Cheryl Downs and her dog, apparently. That was her dog barking, not mine. Oh, so, uh, well, I did wonder which dog it was. <laughs> it was hers. So um, thanks, thanks, Cheryl. And, and thanks also to the good people at thewomensgame.com and Audang and company for lending us Cheryl. But, um, you know, I usually text Cheryl and I say, you know, oh, the interview's only going to be, you know, 20 minutes, in and out, you know, it'd be great. And then we end up talking for like 45 minutes and then I have to edit it down because obviously you guys don't want to listen to us babble on for like 45 minutes. But because we're both so excited to talk about the W League, so, you know, time just kind of slips away. Having listened to that, one player that I obviously you're on about the U.S. players and which ones to look out for. One I think is an interesting one that's gone over, and she's someone that a couple of years ago everyone thought did have a bright future with the national team, is uh, Emily Sonnet. Uh, do you oh. think this is a big career? Because obviously she's kind of slipped off the U.S. radar a bit, hasn't she? So is this a big um, a big, big move for Miss Sonnet? I think it is. I, I think she, you know, she hasn't been on the roster for these past couple of friendlies, and I think for her personally, and probably a, like the... The next step is to do this, is to go over there, show Jill Ellis that, you know what, I'm working really hard to improve my game. Maybe maybe Jill has given her some things and to work on. So I I'm, I'm definitely don't think that Emily Sonnet is out of the USA, U.S. Women's National Team picture. I just think this is a time for her to kind of do the things that maybe Jill wants her to do, and what a great venue to do it in. It's, it's, in it's tough because everyone thought she was this kid was going to be, you know, a big player on the team, but she's even though she's surrounded by quality in Portland, she's kind of struggled to really. I mean, I know obviously the women's team of the United States of America does have a, a huge talent pool, so you have to work really, really hard just to get anywhere near it. But it is strange because I don't think she's ever done anything really wrong, but maybe other people are developing quicker than her. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's a whole different topic <laughs> because what, what Jill is looking for and the type of team that she's building and, you know, it's... Only it's, Jill knows. Only Jill knows the answers. Maybe I'll get a chance to ask her that when I, when I see her. I, I imagine I know what Jill's answer will be as well. <laughs> when you said Emily, I thought you were going to say Emily Van Eggman. Uh, but I was oh, glad that, I was actually glad that Cheryl mentioned her because then she kind of surprised me when I asked her, you know, who the under the radar Aussies are. You know, I got to watch the Jets play the other night kept an eye on Emily and oh, you know what <laughs> wearing the captain's armband I think she's really someone Cheryl's right that we need to keep an eye on and maybe she'll work her way back into the Matildas too yeah I think she did a good job over in Europe in the Bundesliga for me still the toughest league well not t- maybe yeah it is the toughest league certainly the most professional league I think in the world I would definitely say that I think it's tough for English speakers to adapt to a country which they don't speak the English speak the language if you don't speak German you talk to people like Sophie Schmidt Elise Keller Knight, Jovana Damjanovic, they all say that the big thing is, um, Lisa Evans as well, you have to learn the language and adapt. So Emily von Eggman did all that kind of thing. She obviously played in Frankfurt alongside Sophie Schmidt. So it's, yeah, it's going to be fun to see her go and see her in the W League. Yeah, it's so fun to watch some of these players 
kind of evolve into that next level to where they want to be. So it's pretty exciting. And W League is great. Um, do you want to go through some of the opening day scores real quick? Absolutely, okay. old girl, yeah. Let's let's do it. Because and I you know, I I heard some moaning on Twitter and stuff about this Oz.com about, you know, five dollars a month or whatever. But you know what? Come on. I mean, they, you can't have every I mean last year I think we were kinda of spoiled because we had ESPN three were showing all the all the games in the W League and they were live streaming. They had replays and it was all free, you know. But now, you know, they've got the collective bargaining agreement and you have to kind of expect stuff like this, you know. These players got to get paid. I don't know how much money goes into the, the, you know, how much the CBA is involved in this Oz.com thing. But, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, you get 14, 14 rounds and going into February. So I think it's worth it. I really do. Um, uh, Brisbane Roar beat Sydney FC 3-1. to one. The big game that I loved... I still haven't been able to watch any of the previews yet, but I mean, our, um, the highlights, but I uh, hope I will. Perth Glory put the hurt on Melbourne City 4-1. to one. Um, Melbourne Victory 2-1 over Canberra. And then uh, Newcastle Jets over Western Sydney Wanderers 2-1. to one. Yeah, So no, no draws in the opening round of fixtures. No draws. Is there nine teams in the W League? There's nine teams, and that was one thing that Cheryl and I kind of talked about off air, was that, you know, the ideally which was kind of disappointing with the new cba was that they didn't have maybe put in an expansion team because right now the way that it is you know you're not having equal a home and away games so there may be one or i haven't really dissected it but there might be one or two teams that maybe play melbourne city twice or you know and maybe you know so something like that that's not equally balanced so if you have 10 teams obviously you're more equally balanced uh with the nine teams one team gets a buy every week and like i said there's not a equal home and away for all the teams so hopefully in the future that's one of the things that they'll have to work on with the cba yeah because i think adelaide set out, set out the first round of games didn't they yeah so but uh good stuff if you go on to the wleague.com.au they have all the fixtures all the the rounds and the results and highlights and pictures and stuff and also go on to the women's game.com because that's where i get all my information cheryl downs writes for them and they do a great great job there they have podcasts and all that good stuff so good stuff thanks cheryl appreciate you coming on and uh entertaining and educating us hey you know and then um also if you listen uh we have some couple outtakes I always have outtakes from cheryl because she makes me laugh so if you listen to the end of the sh- all the way to the end of the show after the fade out song we'll have our outtakes she did tell me how to pronounce katrina gari yeah gari because i was saying gory so yeah. she's like oh if you interview her patty please it's gari and so i said gari and she's like that doesn't sound right say gari i'm like gari and we are going back and forth but um uh, i'm gonna make that a hashtag gari not gar not gory I, I think we know that's one guest that we won't be getting on the show then in the next couple well, coming. No, I want it. That's why I was uh, I was asking the Matilda's media guy. I want I want her on the show. Minnie. They call her Minnie. So, but I've, before I get her on the show, I want to know how to pronounce her name properly. So, yeah, I'm I'm learning, Adam. So. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
So what's going on? You want to talk FAWSL or you? I think so. Should we do okay. FAWSL? Okay. Then we'll talk about the German women's national team. Okay, that's good. Talk going from league to league. We are lots of things to discuss. Now, the big news in the FAWSL is we've had a coaching change and it's probably not a surprising one given that, that the uh, history and pedigree this club has, but it was announced in the week that Arsenal manager Pedro Losa is to le- has left his position with immediate effect. Now, Pedro's been at the club for three seasons now and every year Arsenal have always had a slow start to the season and they've been playing catch-up and it happened this year. They've already lost at Manchester City and they've also dropped points, surprisingly, at home to Bristol. Bristol took the lead, Arsenal then came back and I think the board at Arsenal have decided that it's time for a change and Arsenal have been out of the Champions League for a long time now. I think 2013 was the last time they competed in it and for a club of Arsenal's size and stature with the squad that they have, I mean, I've often said on this show that Arsenal's squad is as good as that at Manchester City, as that at Chelsea and it's probably the deepest squad in the league as well and it's just not, it's just not clicked for them and they sit in fourth place on seven points five points behind both Chelsea and Manchester City with a vastly inferior goal difference. I mean, Chelsea's goal difference is plus 19, Manchester City's is on plus 10 and Arsenal's on zero. So I think the board have moved quickly, made a change and, and Arsenal yet again are um, really playing catch-up in this league, which is amazing, as you say, given the fact that they're recruiting in the summer. They've brought in players like Vivian Bermino. They've already got Beth Mead in there from last year. They've got Danielle van der Donk. You look through this entire team and you can't really see a weak link obviously Kim Little's back obviously not playing yet but this team is loaded and it's just not performed I'm afraid a uh, coach like Losa leaves I mean you kind of expect a few players that he brought in personally right to kind of leave but this team is like so stocked with players probably won't see a, a roster shakeup, right I wouldn't have thought so because people a peculiar thing in English football men's women's Premier League lower league whatever if you're playing in our, in London, you do have a bit of an advantage because it's much easier to attract overseas players to come to live in places like London. I mean, even in Lincoln's League, you look at the teams from like Barnet and Stevenage, teams based around the London area, they too tend to be more cosmopolitan than places like Lincoln and Hartlepool and places like that. So when you put on that, when you add the layer that the success the clubs had and the fact that they traded the Arsenal facilities at, at um where the men's team train and the history that Arsenal have in the women's game, it's easy for them to attract players. It's If Arsenal come calling, very few players turn the opportunity to, to wear the red and white down. So I, I think the roster or squad will stay pretty much the same as it is. I know there's been rumours of Jody Taylor moving abroad back to the US maybe. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I think that's maybe it was Pedro's downfall. He had all, this, all these parts kind of an abundance of talent but just couldn't quite find the right the right kind of combinations I mean they did win the FA Cup but for a team like Arsenal you need to be winning league championships and unfortunately mm-hmm. that, that's not been the case for far too long from, from Arsenal's point of view and of course the um, Arsenal fans are are clamoring for Laura Harvey to come back any news on that? I, I don't see that yeah. I mean Kelly Smith's obviously the obvious one people are going to want in I'm not sure if Kelly would take the job just yet We'd have to wait and see. But it is going to be a fascinating one because you've got, obviously, the backdrop is that job's available, the England job's available, there's some jobs available in the NWSL. So if you're a coach, this is a good time, really, because there's quite a few big, high-name priority jobs out there. So it's just going to be fascinating, really, to see who gets it and how quickly they make an appointment. They've got one of his assistants in place as a temporary coach at the moment. I don't imagine that's going to last for the entire season. I think they'll want to move to bring somebody in who, I, I don't know, it. 
you'd have thought Arsenal will go for a big name. It may be somebody that we haven't heard of much. It may be somebody that we do. It's, it really is an interesting one because I can't think off the top of my head anyone you would obvious. A lot of times it's an obvious candidate for these jobs. Obviously, Mark Sampson's available. I, I don't quite see that happening anytime soon. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. And has Pedro let on a, anywhere? I mean, we know he's coached in Spain. He's coached in the U.S. Uh, now FAW saw. I mean, where does he go from here? I don't know. I mean, I'd imagine that with the FA, the NWSL would probably be his on his list. I mean, he had a good reputation and did some great work at the Flash, didn't he? And you've got to look, the Sky Blue jobs available, the Houston jobs available. Uh, if Laura, 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 if Laura, too many Lauras, if Laura Harvey was to get the England job, that becomes another job available in the NWSL. So I would imagine that the NWSL would probably be his favourite destination, but it was quite low-key how it came out. It was just like a state, Pedro put out a statement that Arsenal did. It was quite a, the BBC broke the news first, and then it kind of came out from that. So it was, it was a strange one, really. How I mean, it wasn't a surprise that it happened. It was just kind of, it was very low-key. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting. Keep an eye on it for us, Adam. Absolutely. I mean, it's like I say, it's, Arsenal are probably one of the biggest, certainly in terms of winning trophies and stuff. Arsenal are probably Arsenal are the only really Lyonnais that can rival them for their history in the entire world. I'd say because you know Arsenal's probably the biggest. You know they won FA Cup after FA Cup, plenty of league championships, European honours. It's it's kind of a sleeping giant that needs to be awoken. I think. But if we look at the league table at the moment, it's the the uh, the two contenders that we all thought would be up there, Chelsea and Manchester City. Man City had a tough win today. They were drawing one all with Birmingham up to the 90th minute. Then the long throw expert Campbell had threw it into the box. It was headed home, and then a penalty which made Manchester City beat Birmingham 3-1 in a game that they probably didn't deserve to win, but they just about got over the line. And that's what champions and contending teams do. Chelsea had a much easier time of it, smashing. Smashing Yeovil 6-0. Yeovil's really struggling still to get used to the league. And Reading had a great 5-0 win away at Bristol City Women as well. It's at Bristol a team that, like I say, got that point at Arsenal and were probably one of the reasons why Pedro, Pedro left the club. But it is looking very much like a two-horse race with Chelsea and Manchester City. But it's great to see Reading up there in, fourth, in, in third place. I mean, we've always... We had Laura Brunton on the show earlier in the year and obviously they've got Farrah Williams here, Joe Potter... Jade Moore, you know, a core of England players, and mm-hmm. it's great that we've got an uns- a team you wouldn't expect to be up there, up there. So long may that continue. Yeah. Hey, is there any way for like the? I mean, we were talking about streaming. Is there any way for like the international audience to watch FAWSL? I think some of the games are on the BBC website. I don't know if they're oh, geo-blocked. Okay. I know today's was, but I, I know that some of the spring series were available through the uh, through the BBC website. So okay. I mean, some clubs do stream the occasional match on their Facebook page. So you're going to have to really keep an eye out on the FAWSL website. and that. But I think I think some games are, yeah. Okay. In relation to the England job, not a lot really. We did have the, the parliamentary inquiry was an absolute disaster for the FA, really. The two guys, I, I think Barry and I could have had eight pints each gone on there and we would probably have made more sense. But what has happened is it looks like the FA are going to start interviews I think in the first week of December then look forward to hopefully appointing a coach by the end of this December ready for the training camp in January no names have come been released yet there's been no real rumours that I've heard concrete I've heard rumours but nothing concrete that I would want to put on this show and I think it's going to be a case of, of wait and see the Lionesses had a 
lost in France, which they tend to do most of the time. They only beat France that once at the last Euros since 1972, but they did lose 1-0 in Valenciennes in northern France due to a goal in injury time in Momoli's first game leading the team and the next the next outing for them is qualifiers against Bosnia and Kazakhstan. So that pretty much wraps up the FAWSL news. We'll hopefully get an FAWSL interview in the next couple of shows. But should we move over to Germany now? Sure. We're only an hour and a half flight away, right? Yes, well, okay. I will be on Friday. But <laughs> probably the big news of World Cup qualifying... These kind of results don't come around very often. We weren't going to put this on this show because when, when I was doing the long-term planning, I thought, oh, Germany's going to easily walk these two games and we'll get Jana on. I'll record a segment with Jana out in Germany about the Bundesliga. But Germany had a surprising 3-2 home qualifying loss to Iceland. Now, this was Germany's first World Cup qualifying defeat in 19 years. And it's put Germany kind of in the, on the back foot in their qualifying group. They've obviously still got a chance to make it, and I think they obviously will, but losing to Iceland wasn't really in the script. And in the game before this, they scraped past the Czech Republic 1-0 with an own goal. After they lost 3-2 at home to Iceland, near Stuttgart, I think it was, or no, I can't remember the game was. After they lost 3-2 to Iceland, they did turn around and smash the Faroe Islands 11-0, but the damage was already done from that Iceland game. So... When you have a result like that, you have to talk to the person in the know. So I was delighted that Jana made time this week to talk to me about that and also about my upcoming trip to Germany, which is next weekend. So let's play that interview and roll the music. Right then, something pretty remarkable happened a few weeks ago in World Cup qualifying. For the first time in 19 years, I believe it was, the German national team lost a home qualifier to the um, any any qualifier, but this one was particularly surprising because it was against Iceland, who managed to lose all three games at the Euro. So we're going to chat about this with Jana. So hi, Jana. Hello. How are you today? I'm very good. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. So let, let's get into this. I know that Germany did have a great win against the Faroe Islands, but we'll put that to one side for the moment because it was kind of expected. But were Germany that bad? Were Iceland good? I mean, what happened in that game? I think it's both. I think Germany showed a, showed a poor performance. Offensively and defensively, they didn't do like, like it was planned, I think. And Iceland had a really good performance. And I think Iceland, um, that's what the Icelandic coach said afterwards, they knew what they wanted to do against Germany. Um, they, they wanted to press and they wanted to get on Germany's uh, nerves. And um, it was a good time to beat Germany, I guess, because after the Euros, I think everyone, uh, everyone knows that there's been turbulences and, and the self-confidence isn't the highest in the German squad. So if you start pressing those players, um, they, they get into thinking, yeah, maybe being a little bit scared, don't know what to do anymore. So that's what Iceland Iceland's match plan was, and everyone knows that they're good at the at counters, and um, they did that pretty well. And before the game, I said this is going to be a hard, hard, really, really tough match for for Germany, and um, maybe there could be a draw. And well, they did everything they could to lose this game, lose the first uh, qualification game, as you said. For, for 19 years and I was there to witness that and yes it was a combination of both of, of Germany um, showing a poor performance not knowing what to do uh, with the ball against a very solid um, Icelandic defense and 
uh, yeah, and Iceland having having a really good day and being really effective in front of the goal, and that's how you beat Germany. And also, before this game, Germany went to the Czech Republic and won one 0 with an own goal. So, do you, do you think there's been a the problems have been kind of growing, or the Iceland game wasn't a one-off? Do you think? Because that, that's what's happening. That's definitely what what's happening. Everyone who who, who watched the the game and uh, Germany's game in the Czech Republic must been must have been very worried because uh, that was a really poor performance as well. And as you said, it was an own goal that decided the game, and it was a really really absurd own goal with the I think it was after a corner kick um, and the Czech defender who did who had a re- really good game so far. Uh, bounced the the ball into the bo- uh, into the goal with her hip or something. It looked really <laughs> really um, strange. So they got um, kind of lucky um, in that game. So yeah, the, the worries have been have been growing. That's that's for sure. Um, after the Euros, they had the six nil win at home against uh, Slovenia, and then they had headed to the Czech Republic and uh, had this one nil. And then they lost against Iceland, so of course there was kind of growing worries because after the Euros there was this time where the Federation um, analyzed the Euros and what went wrong and they thought about whether they wanted Steffi Jones to have a second chance or not and then they decided, I think 10 days after Germany uh, went out of the Euros, um, they decided, yes, Steffi Jones is going to be our head coach um, until the, the World Cup. And yeah, if they qualify even for the Olympics afterwards, yeah. But now the everybody was really worried because after the the poor performance in the Czech Republic and the loss against Iceland, suddenly all this World Cup qualification kind of started to look not so so good and so easy anymore. Of course, that's when the federation started started thinking and started questioning themselves if maybe. Uh, Extending the contract with Steffi Jones wasn't uh, such a good idea because apparently the the board is not doing very well right now and and that's why at the last game against Faroe Islands uh, the head of the federation the president um, actually came to this match uh, unexpectedly and he had gave an interview at the halftime when Germany was already leading 6-0 he gave an interview um, uh, in the TV and he said um, basically that the next game, the friendly against France, will kind of decide, be the deciding match for Steffi Jones because, as he said, the federation needs to get the impression that Germany is in, uh, able to qualify for, for the World Cup. So, basically speaking, uh, if they get beaten by France and show a poor performance, that might be the end for Steffi Jones because the federation is not having having a, a, the risk of, of not quali- uh, qualifying for the, for the World Cup, of course, because, I mean, it means everything in, in women's football, and as Germany as a women's football powerhouse, they can, simply cannot afford to not, uh, to not go to the, to the World Cup. So, um, yeah, everybody is kind of in uproar, and I think the pressure is on for this. I mean, it's friendly still, it's just a friendly, but... Um, I think the German Federation wants to see that the squad is improving, is, is having a good game against a high-quality opponent. And if they don't show up, if the squad is having a bad game, I think Steffi Jones' run as, as head coach of the German women's national team could be over sooner than we thought. Has there been a lot of criticism in the media about her then? or is Because uh, I know women's football in Germany is obviously quite big compared to other countries, but you've told me in the past it still not doesn't get a huge amount of column inches obviously is the pressure mounting on her from people like you and stuff like that 
and the pressure was on during the Euros, of course, and they, they were in the spotlight. Um, Steffi Jones, uh, Jones was in the in the focus of the criticism, of course, after they went out in the quarterfinal against Denmark. There was a, a lot of columns uh, criticizing her, and I think now, it, after the, the loss against Iceland, I saw a, a lot of comments again, even in the mainstream media, even from people who don't go to the games, from reporters who never follow um, women's football, which is always happening when things get rough and ugly, um, even football reporters who, who uh, don't cover the, the women's team start uh, commentating on, on what's happening. That's always a bad sign, I guess, so um, this time that happened again, and interesting thing that is happening is that um, now the, fo the focus of the criticism goes more in the direction of the of the federation because it was clear that this situation after the Euros it's going to be yeah that the squad is going to be insecure what you could see in the Iceland game and in the behavior before the game after the game you could see that Steffi Jones is kind of not very secure herself and something it has done something to the self-confidence I think as well of the team as of Steffi Jones and that's not so surprising even though if you get the backup from the federation I think since Steffi Jones she's still not that experienced I mean she has started in September 2016 we can't forget that and when you she tried plan, plan A with the squad and that failed like big time at the Euros and um now she has to question everything she has done and everything needs to be worked over. And I think that's for an unexperienced coach, that's um, a really hard place to be in. And, and I think the squad reacts to that in a, in a weird way, like mentally. And the federation could have, I think it's, it's something you could have expected as a federation. And now to like act up and put the pressure on, on them for this one game and say, we need to see something or, or we're going to probably fire Steffi Jones and end this exper experiment. Um, I think that's put the federation in a spot where a lot of criticism is directed at them. So that was interesting uh, because um, we all know that Steffi Jones isn't very experienced and that she she has had her troubles, so um, now the, the the focus kind of shifts in, in in the direction of the federation of not paying close attention to the women's team, um, of of um, yeah, there's not really someone who's following the team closely in making decisions or giving advice or something. So it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe the federation insists on Steffi Jones um, getting a second assistant coach um, because right now she has only one, and the the president has has kind of said that he wants a second assistant coach for her so she has more help and maybe things get a little, a little less uh, rough in the next games. How much responsibility do the players have to take for this as well? Because I know it, it's in football, whenever it's going wrong it's always the coach's fault, but there's no denying that this German team is supremely talented. Are the players kind of hiding behind Steffi Jones, do you think? Are they not being brave enough? Because Germany's always been known for having strong characters and leaders. It's, is there none of those in the dressing room at the moment? That's a great question. So as, after the loss against Iceland, when you look at the squad that played against Iceland, that was a quite, quite experienced squad. So you can't say, well, it's such a young squad, they don't know what to do. No, in that game, especially um, like in, you had, you had Lauder, you had Pop, you had Leupolds, Peter, all, all those players were really experienced and they still messed up 
they didn't show up and they were mentally weak and it was it was of course the squad has to own up to this and they did especially players like uh, Alexander Pop and they said uh, this is all on us this is n this has nothing to do with the with Steffi Jones and her and team and this is all on us we didn't show up um, this is embarrassing we can't play like this we're Germany we are we are destroying everything that Germany has built up in the last so it, I mean you hear it it's kind of they they were being really dramatic and, and they're um, <laughs> Yeah, owning up to what they did wrong, but of course, as you said, in football, um, at some point, the manager is always the one who has to go first. So because it is a very talented squad, and they're still um, in the process process of understanding what Steffi Jones wants as a coach. As I said, I'm not 100% sure that she's still like 100% sure herself what exactly she wants and how she wants to play. Yeah, as a player, you have to you have to be better than 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 in that game against Iceland. And then, of course, they showed a reaction against uh, Faroe Islands, but no offense, but that team is not like anywhere near no, no. where Germany wants to be. And uh, it was good maybe for their self confidence that um, other players came in. They scored a lot of goals, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, but well, of course, as a German German squad, you have to you have to admit that that performance wasn't good, and they did, um, and they most of the of the experienced players that I talked to um, that aren't afraid to say say uh, things directly. They said we're all we want to work with Steffi Jones, uh, and and we're going to show that against France. Good stuff. One person that did show up, and I've always been saying she should have got in the team earlier, is that Leo Scholder. She got a good goal against Iceland. Um, can she be the one of the? Because I know Germany struggle for goals, even though um, Scholder's been banging them in for Freiburg. Is, is she the answer? Do you think, or how did she get on? Let's not put too much pressure on her. I mean, she's nineteen, but um, I was the same when she came in, and and in this really really bad situation for for Germany. Uh, she showed no nerves and yeah, she scored a great goal and I think she had a great performance against um, the Faroe Islands as well. Um, that she played like on the right wing. I think yeah, she she is she's carrying the hope of course. Um, she, yeah, as you said, Germany's having trouble scoring goals, so she could be part of the solution. And I th hope she gets more more minutes in the next couple of games, especially against a, a team like France. That could mm, help her improve because yeah I think she's with only 19, 19 years old I think um, yeah she's she's got a great future ahead of her and um, I'm, I'm, uh, I think it was a brave move by Jones to get her on the pitch in that situation uh, she paid her back and then she got a start against the Faroe Islands yeah of course that she is a great great player and I hope she's gonna get more minutes and also against the Faroe Islands Jones also put Linda Dahlmann her um, team colleague from Essen into the starting lineup and Lina Mago they both kind of played in the central midfield area and I think um, that was a really really nice duo to to um, play against especially against teams who are very like parking the bus and, and playing really deep in their own half and you need like these quick players with good passing skills and seeing seeing the um, spots where they have to put the ball to get through those like nine players that are in front parked in front of the the goal and um, I think that was a good decision so yeah, Steffi Jones has good ideas about how she wants to play the squad. She also has bad ideas when she um, 
decided to play Laura Benkart, the the second goalie against against Iceland, and yeah, she she uh, did didn't do really very good in the beginning, and uh, the first the first Icelandic goal um, that was kind of her fault. So um, yeah, of course, Steffi Jones has to ask herself why does she put the second goalie into the into the game into the match in the most important match of this group group stage um, qualifying for the World Cup. So. Um, Sometimes she she does things that are hard to understand, and sometimes when she puts in Lea Schuller and and she scores and has good games, she does things that I uh, really like to see because you have to think about the future. And um, Lea Schuller needs needs minutes on the pitch against high quality opponents. Great stuff. Well, we'll we'll leave that that there, and we'll obviously chat again after the France game and stuff. But just quickly, um, I'm coming over to see you next weekend, aren't I? How how excited are you about that? Very, because we're going to see a Bundesliga match as well. Yeah, and Peggy Leinstark, Nitron and her friends are taking on Yina, aren't they, in the biggest game of the season so far, so that's going to be fun. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be fun (laughs) in that sense, because um, both teams are obviously struggling uh, right now. But, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes when two teams under pressure meet. And it's a nice stadium in, in Cologne. We've, we've been there before, so um, I hope it's going to be a fun atmosphere as well, at least. Yeah, great stuff. Right then, Jan Rachel, thanks for coming on the show, and I shall see you on Friday. Wow, if the uh, president of the German Federation <laughs> is, like, putting the fire to Steffi Jones's heels, that's serious stuff. Absolutely, it is literally like the um, when the Empire Emperor turns up wanting the Death Star finished when he's there personally to oversee the job. You know that stuff is serious, but yeah, if you're Steffi Jones, that must put you under. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, really, because no, it's not a good thing. I mean, if if what if that this one game is going to determine whether you lose your job, I mean, Steffi Jones. I mean, I guess that's she doesn't probably expect anything less being in that position as a head coach, especially coming in after. Uh, Sylvia Nide with such a great reputation. I mean, people expect big things from Steffi Jones. She can't, it, you know, they're losing against a team like Iceland. <sighs> you know, tough stuff. But yeah, I mean, for I, the president know, to come I, out was pretty just, harsh. <laughs> it, I, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's football and it's the sport and everything. But, I mean, how if they beat France 1-0 with an own goal but play well, is that enough? If they play really well, dominate the ball, just miss loads of chances and draw one all, is that it's I mean, I think... They have to be I perfect, they, Adam. Everything has to be perfect. It's Germany. I know. It, I, <laughs> I think Germany will win that game. I, I think that they will. I saw France against England, and I wasn't impressed really with either side, particularly that night. So I do think that Germany will win that game. But it's interesting what Jana said, and she didn't pull any punches about some of the players, how they have to step up and do the do the right thing as, as well. But uh, interesting times. And I think what it boils down to in the qualifying is that Iceland... They beat Germany and then they kind of messed up and only drew in the Czech Republic. So what that basically means is if all the teams continue to win their games, it probably means that there will be a showdown in Reykjavik and Germany will have to go to Iceland and win. Germany being Germany, I think they will go and do that. I mean, even if they finish second, you can still get another chance through the playoffs. So I, I think Germany will definitely be at the World Cup, but it's, it's amazing at the minute. You've got France, Germany and England in various stages of almost disarray, really, or transition whatever you want to say but very interesting times and i'm looking forward to chatting with yana more because obviously next i'm having dinner with her next friday night oh poor yana she's the luckiest girl in germany i don't know why you can say that 
next to Steffi Jones. <laughs> yeah, me, well, yeah, Barry the Beaver's coming along. So oh, we've Steffi got Jones Barry too. Oh, boy. Yes, Barry's. We've Amazing. got our uh, guidebook to Cologne. We've been reading that. Oh, yeah. And then on Sunday, as we were chatting about in the interview, and you're probably sick, because I'm going to put, do an Instagram story like the one I did for oh. the England game at Tranmere because that was quite popular. So I'll do like an Instagram story over the weekend. But so. We are watching FC Cologne versus Yina. Now, just to put into context, these are the two teams, uh, bottom and third bottom of the Bundesliga. Cologne have no points all season and Yina have one. So oh. there should be lots of goals. Neither team are particularly good at the moment. But there's, you can, there's lots of beer in the ground, lots of sausages. And I'm really thankful for Jan for putting up with me. and It's going to be a fantastic weekend. Yeah, maybe by having you in the stands, you'll be a good luck charm for one of those teams. One of those Hopefully. Teams. I, I kind of hope Cologne win, really, because obviously I'm staying there mm-hmm. and they have Peggy, Lionshaft, Nitron, and obviously they have the goat and everything, so let's hope that, that they win. Right, the goat. Got it. The goat. Head as the goat. <laughs> uh, don't let Barry get into trouble with the goat. No. Let that, keep that goat away from Barry. No. Well, the goat won't be there because the oh. men's team are playing on the same day, and the goat head as the goat has to go to the men's games. He oh, doesn't God. go to the women's games, unfortunately, so there will be no goat there. Oh God, what's going on over there? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so thanks, Yana. Thank you. Yes, Yana. thank you, Yana. Look forward to seeing you on Friday. So, um, some other international news, Adam. There was. Uh, are we done talking Germany? Yes, yes, we're all done on that. Yeah. Uh, the 2017 Yangshan Four Nations tournament took place in China. Just wanted to just give a little. Um, update on that. Brazil dominated the tournament. Marta and company, Poliana, tore through the competition. The final between Brazil and the host China ended in a 2-2 draw. But, uh, you know, one of those things where Brazil already won before that last game was played. And then the final positions were Brazil. North Korea came in second, and then China, and then Mexico. Mexico with zero points. They did have a good match against China, but lost 3-2. to two. Top scorer was Marta. But funny, best player went to China's Wang Shanshan. <laughs> funny thing how that happens. Just want to update you on that tournament. Not, I didn't get to see any of the games. None of them were streamed, So, but just wanted to give you an update. The USA are geared up to play a couple of friendly matches. <laughs> Quote, unquote, friendly against rivals Canada. You got Barry with you. You got your Canadian hat on so I can see where your loyalties lie. Um, November 9th, they match up at BC Place in Vancouver. That'll be shown on ESPN2. And then November 12th, they trot down south to Avaya Stadium in San Jose, California. I'll be there. That'll air on FS1. So those are the last two matches for the U.S. Women's National Team before the season, before the year ends. Yeah, we, we don't have the squads yet for these games, do we? Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, so Jill hasn't unleashed her squad yet. Not as of this recording. She hasn't unleashed her squad. <laughs> well, we kind of well, kind of figure out who they are. I mean, there's some injuries right now, you know. Um, um, oh, Allery Pugh got um, injured uh, last friendly against Korea. Uh, Rose Lavelle still out with injury. Tobin Heath is out. She had an injury in that NWSL final match. Um, so we might see some different looks who knows you know jill brought in uh mccall's or boney for the uh, the last uh south korea match i don't know if we'll see her back again or if it was just kind of a obligatory cap that she gave uh, mccall oh, but who knows we'll wait and see will we see ali krieger back we don't know 
but uh, we'll find out. It's all see, it's all very exciting, isn't it? It's all big mystery. You really said you, you kind of you always annoy you always say that I give fangirls try to annoy them, and then you put out a tweet saying, "Does anybody miss Ali Krieger and <laughs> Megan Klinenberg?" And the kind of responses we had to that was so I was like, "Are you trying to um, shit stir?" Yep, stirring it up. I don't know. Somebody said, "Why are you opening up this can of worms?" I'm like, I, "The the can is open. I didn't yeah. open it up. The can has been opened." If you've got room for McCall's or Boney on a team, why not give Allie Krieger her 99th cap? You know, why not give, you know, Allie Krieger, who played the, the most minutes of any player on the Orlando um, Orlando Pride roster this season, who was on the best of. So it's a mystery to me. What's bugging people is that she's on 98 caps, isn't she? And people desperately, because I mean, I think to get 100 caps for the United States Women's National Team is kind of a... A, it's like almost almost kind of a hall of fame isn't it kind of a kind of a it's passing a big of the deal. rights they give you the arm back captain's armband it says 100 on it they give you the plaque i mean it's a big deal and it should be i mean it's a big honor you don't you know this uh, the national team the u.s national team is so stacked it's really hard to crack i mean we've seen it right we've seen it with players like emily sonnet and and like you know right now megan klingenberg and it's like it's a hard team to crack and then once you get in there to get 100 caps it's remarkable, you know, and it's it's a feat. And someone like Allie Krieger, you know, is a Olympian gold medal winner and a Women's World Cup winner. I mean, she, I mean, anybody deserves it. It's Allie Krieger. You could just imagine Jill giving her one more cap to '99 and then like cutting <laughs> it. No. Uh, well, we'll see. I don't. I don't. Because Jill, I think we've learned a lot about Jill. I think one thing we've learned is that she's not particularly sentimental about this kind of thing, is she? She is not sentimental. Nor is she right. compassionate. She's just Jill. She's just Jill. She's like a machine. She's like a machine. She writes in her little book. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, you, can, you can just imagine Jill having like a fake Twitter account and just reading all this stuff and laughing with a bottle. That's of the wine other thing I've always wanted to ask her is when is she getting on Twitter? I'm, not, I'm You know, it's the end of the season. It's the last game of the year for the team. Um, I'll be there. So maybe I will ask her those t- type of questions because it's kind of the end of the se- you know, end of the cycle, as they call it. So. It's, it's okay to ask questions. I can just imagine her reaction like to you asking like, her. When you get, she'll, uh, she'll probably, probably say something smirk. like the same day I get on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> she'll say, Why didn't I think of that, Patty? I didn't even think about getting on Twitter. That's a great idea. I'm going to start my account <laughs> yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, she'll be, after Donald Trump, she'll probably get the most stick of anybody in America. <laughs> she should take some um, cues from Laura Harvey. Laura Harvey has a great uh, Twitter account. And she's, Laura Harvey, I don't know, maybe it's her age too, because, you know, she's. she's uh, not that much older than a lot of the players she coaches, but she's just very funny and she doesn't take herself too seriously. And yeah. you know, I like that. You don't like, like the Donald's tweets? The, no, I blocked him. I don't. I don't. Oh, you blocked him? Yeah. The only time, the only time I see his tweets is when somebody like oh. sends me one or and, like me. Yeah. Or I watch the I'm... news because the news is very. The news like always has his tweets up. That's <laughs> like, why are we showing? Is this like a slow slow news day? But no. That's how they get all their information yeah. from his tweets. So, um, so is that it, Adam? Is that I what we got? I think it is. Yes, I think I'll let you run off and watch the uh, Patriots and the Chargers game now. I can see you've oh dear, mate, you've got your t-shirt on there. The Red Sox stuff's gone away now till March. So, I'm rooting for the Dodgers, though. The Dodgers. Um, yeah, everybody, remember to follow us on social. Speaking of social media, at WWF Show, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is where we live. Also, Tumblr, and don't forget our blog page. If you go to our website, www.show.com, 
or if you're on there right now just click up to the blog we have some great blogs on there as well so yeah, great, great to see you guys I'll see you guys next week if you're in San Jose give me the high sign and I'll come over and give you uh, some swag and, yes uh, and yeah. thank you and if, remember if you are about in the Cologne region next weekend just give me a tweet and uh, you can post for a selfie with me and Barry and everything like that I won't be carrying any swag with me because I you know, don't want to carry too much stuff on the plane but thank you to Laura Alloway and to Yana for both taking the time out to talk to you it's an absolute pleasure to chat with you both and then thank you to Cheryl Downs from the Women's Game. Great to talk to you as always, Cheryl. Be watching the W League and uh, see you guys next time. Bye. We're on Bye. the road. Bye. We're hitting the road. Bye, Bye Barry. And the media yeah. guy was really nice, and he's like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, uh, call me the next time the Matildas are are back together, and we'll get uh, Gory for you. So I was like, really cool. That was really cool. <laughs> Um, How do you gotta say gory? You can't say gory. Gor what is it? <laughs> gory. Gory? Gory. <laughs> gory? That sounds fun. Gory, yeah. Gory. I can't say <laughs> See I don't think you can. See, gory. I was see one of these days, Sarah, where we're gonna have to get together and just um you're just gonna have to give me some good Aussie um dialect that I can because yeah. my, my Aussie accent sounds like like I was trying to imitate Sam Kerr and I was just like I couldn't do it. It sounded English. It's like, you know, like I'm, yeah, it's maybe got, try the nicknames or something or other. Yeah, yeah. Just okay, Gari. Gari. Mini. Mini. That's her nickname is Mini. Mini. Oh, Mini. Right. Okay. Mini. I'm not, I could just call Mini then. Wait, what? I didn't understand what you said. You what I want you to ask me <laughs> is, it, or say something like this. Say, hey, if the president of the German Federation is turning up, things must be serious. <laughs> Yeah, if he's coming out, it's like um, yeah. I, it's it's like on the Return of the Jedi when they find out the Empire is coming, the, the Emperor is coming to watch the Death Star being built because everyone's screwing up, <laughs> everyone panics because the top <laughs> boss is coming down, and that's kind of what's happening, I think, in the German thing, right? Right. Does that understand? Have you understood that now? I understand that now that you put it into um, Star Wars analogy. Yeah. It's very hard to integrate when I've talked to people like Yovana Danjanovic and Sophie Schmidt. And, and who's the other Aussie I talked to? Uh, and uh, oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, ah, I know. I can see. I can see your face too. Yeah. She plays for Tabina Potsdam. Uh, um, not at least Kellen Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The water bottle. I kept thinking the water yeah. bottle. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so again. People like. Um, <clears throat> hold on, just a second. Let me go get my notes. I don't. I thought I had them on here, but I don't. Okay, AJ. It's not nice to make fun of AJ. <laughs> Somebody who does think I'm brilliant, awesome, fantastic, and <laughs> is when she was in, and I've actually met her, unlike you, she's obviously not going to come and see you, but she did get on a plane and dash over to see me earlier in the year, is Cheryl Downs. Oh, Cheryl Downs, speaking of the W League. Oh, you know what, maybe, um, you know, I was thinking maybe we do like the NWSL news and get that out of the okay. way after oh, yeah, and then kind yeah, of get yeah. a little break. Okay. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, right. uh, we'll scrap that. But, but good, that, but that good link. Not that intro my, can go into the archives, my, yeah. so we can dig it out some other time, can't we? Maybe, maybe you can squeeze it in there.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.